that really gets me riled up. <laughs> I was banging my head, man. I'm always banging my head to that song. I have so much fun listening to it. I just put it on a loop and lift, <laughs> lift to it for four hours every four day. Four hours straight. I've actually, I've actually like woke up in the morning, mm-hmm. getting ready to like shave or whatever. I'm sitting in front of the mirror, and that song starts going through my head. Well, I, I'm sure you guys have like listened to our podcast in your car, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time I do, and the song c- comes on, I'm just like headbanging while I'm driving in traffic. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, welcome to Legend Lore. Uh, Brought to you by Strange New Worlds Productions, and today we're going to do something a little different. Today we are going to be um, answering some questions from the community. Uh, Most of these found on Reddit. Uh, All kinds of uh, variety of questions about that's out there about rules, about role-playing stuff. So we picked out some that we really like, and we're going to go over those and kind of give our feedback on that. So you're going to get a variety of topics today in one podcast. And I'm Dungeon Master Mike. I am Dungeon Master Rockfist, also known as John. This is Dungeon Master Osborne. Full-time player Cody. (laughs) (laughs) This is DM Popatine, or Matthew, if you want to call me that. I'm excited for this format because... I love every podcast we've done so far where we pick a single subject and then in 45 minutes, like, say 10% of what we actually think about it. (laughs) (laughs) So it'll be interesting to see because there's, you know, obviously there's five of us. So let's see if we can get through five whole questions or not. So uh, it's a challenge. It is a bit of a challenge. So I think the format we're going to do is we're going to read the question and maybe paraphrase it because some of them are kind of long. And then the person who read the question is going to give a little commentary on the subject, kind of kick it off. And then the rest of us can jump in or not, you know, depending on how our level of interest or how, how big of an opinion we have about it. Um, but who wants to go first? What, 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 yeah, you're going to ask a question, right? Well, yeah, I'm going to, like, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to just go ahead and tone out for that. I'm just not even okay. paying attention That's to what cool. he's doing. You can take so. your head- headphones off. Okay. If you want. Yeah. I'll, I'll signal to you. And <laughs> All right, cut. All right. <laughs> this is a hostile work environment in Strange New Worlds. I don't feel safe anymore. Who's our head of HR, by the way? We never figured that out. Uh, it's, it's, it's Cody. Mike. Oh, it's, it's Mike? It's, it is Cody. Oh, right? it's Cody? Yeah. yeah. Nobody sounds, wants to take that position. one of this boy band, so. As long yeah. as it pays. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it doesn't. I'll, it, do, I'll do almost anything if it pays. It pays in attaboys. <laughs> well, it, it, it pays in cigars, but that doesn't do you any good. It doesn't so. do me any good at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, John, why don't you go ahead and kick it off then? Okay, I'll kick it off. Um, okay, so this question, most of these questions come from DM Academy on Reddit. Great place to go if you just want to ask the com- you know community questions about being a dungeon master. But uh, this is from Snaker916. Snaker asked, what can I do to make traveling from town to town more enjoyable? My players aren't overly bloodthirsty, so rolling for encounters feels like a waste of time unless I'm trying to make things dire by dwindling, dwindling down their resources for some plot drama. And uh, so this is a really good question. And when I first came back to 5e, you know, four years ago or however long it was, that was one of the initial things I had to deal with because we were playing Curse of Strahd. And when you go out into the wilderness of Barovia, there are random encounter roles that you make, right? There's like two pages in the book about random encounters. Like, yeah, it's like a, a big five deal. Five pages. And when I read that, I was like, man, I don't like this at all um, because I'm kind of a control freak in terms of I, I don't want to randomly roll that, you know, Strahd walks up to you guys while you're on the on, on the road. You know, I just don't want that to randomly happen. If, if he appears, I want it to be because it makes sense for the, the narrative, right? So I kind of just 
yeeted out those, uh, those encounters and just said, I'm going to have things happen that I think are relevant to the story. But I think a lot of dungeon masters, especially new ones, they feel, you know, kind of like uh, the person asking this question is like, I, I have to do something. I can't just say you go from point A to point B. Um, and I think that you, you're right. You probably shouldn't, but sometimes it is okay to say that that's what happened. It, you know, hey, it took you two days to get there. And that's okay. Um, you should not feel obligated just because the game has a lot of these random encounter uh, lists or whatever. Now, something he mentioned that I thought was really good in that question. He said, I, I guess I could throw stuff at them just to whittle down their resources. And I'd be interested to hear what you guys have to say about this. I feel like that that is kind of baked into 5e as a mechanic of some kind, where like, especially in dungeon crawls and other things like that, you can't necessarily get a long rest. So a lot of the things that are put in, in the official dungeons and stuff are, are really just meant to whittle away your hit points and, that can that can get boring really fast, in my opinion. I, I think it can too, and I've struggled with travel mechanics all, all the way back to second edition. Really, like I've tried different things uh, to make it more interesting. I, I used to, of course, start off with all the random encounter tables, like we all did. And I have to be honest. I think you guys have probably noticed that lately in most of my travel, because you guys do do a lot of travel. Um, I'm just really not engaging too much. I give you a kind of a brief description of how things went. Now, if there is a thematic reason why you should be having these random encounters, if you're going through a territory where maybe there's a lawless area or say, you know, the warlords and dark kingdom, then yeah, I'm going to bake in some, the chance of a random encounter uh, going through a dungeon like the maze you guys are going through. Now I have random encounter tables in there because I think that's thematically correct or thematically the right place to do it. But I, I don't know as a player, I find really in depth travel logs between point A and point B in the story to be very boring and in random encounters to just never be all that exciting. That's just my personal take on things. And that's kind of how I've been doing things lately. But with that said, I'm sure there is a place for random encounters and I'm sure there are some systems where you can really, I've seen some stuff out there, but I haven't read any of it where you could probably, you know, really beef up this travel log. Basically. It's just not for me. One thing that comes to mind when you were talking is we play a lot of milestone X, you know, leveling up. And if you are playing XP based, then it, you, I could see a random encounter being something the players like because it's more shit to kill to get XP. Right. right. Well, it's actually how the game mechanics are designed for those random encounters because you're they don't truly have milestone as we play, so they have to throw in those encounters constantly to be generating small amounts of XP to level up. Yeah, and to clarify, so when we say milestone, is we have uh, certain places in the storyline in the narrative where when the players successfully accomplish this thing, they may level up. So. A couple ideas pop into my head. Um, two of them are from Curse of Strahd, actually. Uh, one of them is baked right into the book, and one of them is when John actually modified a random encounter that was in the book. Uh, the first one was when you leave the town of Barovia, or the village of Barovia, and you start going towards Velaki, there is a, uh, a, a noose where they would hang people. And I think when the players approach at first, it's just kind of there. It's, it's, it's all sh- ramshackle down or something like that. 
And then I think it was like you have the players roll perception checks and then all of a sudden one of the players' faces is hanging from that noose. And that's a very story kind of, not really a random encounter. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's an encounter that it's, it's, it's fully just encounter. role play. It's just a thematic moment yep. to give ambiance to the, the horror of what the players are experiencing in this world. So I think things like that are really good. Yeah, I would, I would say with that in mind, what I, I do think about something that does happen when you guys do travel, sometimes you guys will take moments like, say you're camping for the night, to actually get your role-playing stuff out of the way. To me, that's way more interesting. And that was another one of my yeah. thoughts, is like you're taking a short rest or you're taking a long rest, and this is a moment where, okay, you guys are, the DM is narrating that they're getting their camping gear out, they got the fire going, they're getting some food going on the fire. What do you guys talk about? What do you want to say to each other? Yeah, I definitely, when I, that's the one thing when I think about with travel time and uh, something that I do in Star Wars is that when you're traveling from planet to planet, you know, it's going to take you about maybe a week to get there. So it's the thing of saying, well, what do your characters want to do? Do you want to, is there anybody who wants to interact with anybody? Is there anything that wants to, you know, start making something for your your character? So I always see it as that. I never, I never really think about, oh, I'm going to throw a counter in here or something like that. If you guys are getting like some unknown region, sure, I'll throw maybe an encounter in there, but most of the time, it's I want it to be driven by the characters. What I really like about that is that it puts the fun of travel in the players' hands, right. and it makes them be more cooperative in like a fun kind of like like everyone's enjoying the moment. It's not kind of a you know you guys have to role play right now, or this is what we're gonna do right now. It's what do you guys want to do? Right. Going back to random going technical difficulties. Excuse me, guys. There we go. Going back to random encounters for a moment. Uh, I like to think of random encounters as not combat encounters. I like to think of r truly random. Like, why can't it be a, a traveling merchant? Why can't it be an NPC that reoccurs, a bard? It, it can be all these different scenarios to add a lot of interest. Like, you woken up in the middle of the night, they think it, your players are immediately going to think it's an attack, but it could be anything else. It could be just wild animals. There's plenty of things to fill that travel time with that are encounter-based that aren't just combat. Because he had mentioned that his players aren't too bloodthirsty, so they, they don't want to fight after fight after fight. But there's plenty of different ways to plug in, whether thematic or narrative reasons, or just ran truly random, they counter a crazy mage and something happens, and that's something the story or the party can tell a story about later. Mm -hmm. So my last one is actually, it's a random encounter that John modified. In Strahd, on the random encounter table, you have a chance of encountering a revenant. And John took the Revenant, and he made it an actual character in the story. And the first time the players interacted with this character, there was no combat with him. Mm -hmm. It just was a conversation. It right? was just a conversation. You know, the dude just kind of walked in, and he told us what he was all about. And he says, like, I'm not here to kill you, but as soon as Strahd tells me I have to kill you, then I'm going to come and kill you. And then he walked off and did, and did his own his own thing. And then the players went on to the hags and very hags. Very cinematic, very TV show-esque mm -hmm. introduction first. And I... I I think that's a great encounter to fill travel time. I, that's a great moment to introduce a high, potentially high level boss character. Uh, you know, like you're level four, you're not going to beat this guy right now. He's going to wipe the floor with you. Uh, it's but very later much like on. a video game where you see the the final boss in the first bit of the game, yeah. and then you know you have to chase after him, for mm -hmm. lack of a better term. But yep. there's a reason why that's a trope, and it's because it works so well mm -hmm. for telling a story. Yeah, it's it lets you know about the progress you've made as a character when you can overcome that challenge. Yeah. 
Uh, what were you saying, Matt? Definitely the building blocks of a character, you know, as you know, you have your big story moments, but those little tiny moments you have while you're traveling, that's really, I mean, in stories and video games, movies, that's how you develop a character over time. You learn their story, learn who they are and learn how they're going to interact with each other. Absolutely. I really like what you guys were saying about, um, you know, when you have a short rest and letting the players kind of take control. I wonder if it'd be an effective thing. And I, I think I've done this once and it was fun. But what if you said, hey, look, the short rest is going to be about you guys. And if you don't want to do anything, you just want to go to bed or whatever, great. But tell me what your character does. And then depending on how you guys interact with each other, I might give you some bonus role playing XP or I might give you some inspirations or and then you literally just shut up as the DM unless they have a question or want you to adjudicate something. And then you just sit back and watch the show of them developing their you know, character to character Mm-hmm. interaction so so i think i think those are good really good suggestions guys and yeah. thank you snaker 916 that was a good one all right who wants to take the next question and my allergies are kicking my butt today i can tell in my voice i'm gonna volunteer matt oh wow okay well there we go um so my question uh comes from daniel ix uh he asks how do i create interesting quests once i have a hook um, so basically just, you know, going on to t- basically what he talks about in here is kind of, you know, how can I find that interesting hook? Basically, what can I do to find that hook as a DM? How can I develop this, this nice little quest where it's like, oh, you walk into a town and I see you see blood on the ground and there's nobody around. Um, so that's kind of what he's talking about and uh, his question. Um, and I guess, you know, when it comes to mind is, hey, you don't steal something. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to have the experience of like this DM who's coming up with everything in their own mind. Go on Google, type in adventure hooks, you'll find like 500 of them. Yeah, there's and a ton of those. Yeah, there. you can. Speaking of steal something, right? So we have the series Steal Our Shops and we actually include story hooks based on that shop from there. So that's something that's a resource that you can use. Like take from what's around you, take something that inspires you or look for a specific story hook. And still our shops. And even when you get that hook, just, you know, now you have the hook. You have, basically, there's blood on the ground. Now, just go into the monster manual. Find a monster that kind of fits that theme. Oh, there's zombies. Oh, perfect. There's a group of zombies that are wandering around the town they found later that killed the town. Or they are the town. Uh, you know, just find some, find a monster. You got your hook. You're already pretty much there. You just got to fill in the blanks at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And then to call back to our previous episode when we talked about character creation, if your characters have given or your players have given you a really good backstory, there's plenty of hooks right there too. And if you have a hook, you can work in a backstory yep. and, let, and feed off what the players do with a hook. If they if the hook is something that obviously catches their attention, that gives you full access to like what do they do next? Watch what they do. Watch what they're suggesting. Listen to what they're saying to each other in and out of character, and that can inspire you. I know that's helps Mike all the time. He's like, oh, they thought that? Oh, that's a good idea. I've seen the gears turn in your <laughs> you, head, and I'm you, like, damn it, we gave him an idea. I, I love one of my favorite moments is around the table is when you guys get deep into role-playing conversation, and I just sit back, and as John has said, you get that smile on your face. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because I'm listening. Yep. <laughs> so I think what the person needs is how do they develop that story hook further? They have a cool idea on how to start it, but then they're, I think they're having trouble thinking of how to get from point A, the hook, all the way to point W or whatever. Right. Well, I think, too, the spirit of that question, if I'm not misinterpreting it, like a lot of times as a DM, you, you put something in the story and you think, well, the players are going to react to it this way. Yeah. And we've all seen it 
just not work that way at all, right? Like, there's blood on the ground. Yeah, well, I'm thirsty for some L. I'm going to the tavern, right? And so then it, you, as a DM, how do you get them onto the quest, right? That's really, I think that's kind of the spirit of the question, right? And yeah. so for me, when I, when I think about that, it's like, okay, so they walk past the blood. Maybe when they go in the tavern, there's a, there's a town meeting. And someone got murdered and they put out a call for adventurers to help track down the murderer. Like, you know, you, you can kind of force them back to the path. I hate to use the word force, but put it back in front of them. Right. right. It's deceptive. Making, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say it's deceptive railroading. Yeah. <laughs> Keep putting them in situations that guides them to the right thing. Like, right. especially that's a perfect example. If they go to that tavern, they ignore the sign, they go to the tavern. Well, something the tavern is going to give them another hint until they kind of get it. And they realize that's what they're there for. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you can also like kind of to your point, like it's deceptive. And I think all good railroading is deceptive railroading. Yeah. Like, but I think, you know, it's not railroading then. Whatever, whatever, lean I into mean. their, lean into their choice. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they're like, still, they walk in, they ignore the town meeting, they're like, whatever, we're here to, you know, see the guy that has the magic doohickey. Right. Well, what if he's the guy that got murdered? And his doohickey's missing. <laughs> yeah. Well, what if he's what if Whoa. he's the big bad who did yep. all the murdering? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You can have it loop back around that that clue was actually a part of the story when another hook is what drew them into it. It, it depends on the party though, man. Because like I know when we play together, like like we've said many times before on this podcast, we're all storytellers, so we have a sort of respect for the hook, and we don't we don't. You respect know, the hook. Respect the hook. <laughs> uh, you know, we, uh, we we don't, I mean, we joke about Bobbling the Goblin and that kind of stuff does happen <laughs> where you see that random thing and, and you go away from the main quest. But I think we, at the end of the day, want to play the quest that the DM created, right? Like the, yeah. the campaign, right? For sure. So there are plenty of players and parties out there that give no shits that you spent, you know, 20 hours prepping this session and they want to just, you know. Go into the mountains and kill yep. boars. They want to. <laughs> they want to kick the door open and in every room in the dungeon. Yep. Without any other reason to do it, just to kick it open to see Where's what's the behind the other door. It, it's Where's table, the loot? It's tabletop Skyrim where dragons are trying to take over the world. Right. But uh, I really want to go join the thieves guild. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a lot of the times when we play, we've been charged with a mission, and our characters typically aren't just like. Not, not necessarily freeloading. What's that word? Like we partake in the world. You know what I mean? We're, yeah. we're, we're living and breathing in this world. We've been charged with a mission. So we have, we have duty to do it. And I think that helps to like charge your players with a mission so that they have a reason to do it. Backstory. They are literally going to be paid for it. Whatever it is that interests them. The cat agrees with you too. Um, <laughs> I agree with you, man. And I think that's a really, really solid point. You know, I think that um, when you are going to start a campaign, it is totally cool to talk to your players above table and just say, Hey, look, let's talk about what motivates your character. Let's talk about what they're all about. Um, you could even go so far as like I've done in, in different campaigns, like you're members of the adventurers guild. And one of the main thing, even though you're all different alignments, you're all different backgrounds. The one thing you all have in common is that you did join this guild because you have some motivation to take the quest and take the missions and, and you're all in this town together to work together as members of this guild. Right. And then that sets it off so that when the guild presents things to you, you go, yeah, well my guy has a reason to be doing this. And, but that was established above table before the game ever started. Absolutely. You're setting the, the premise of the adventure, the, like uh, the theme of the movie, like why, 
why are the Avengers there? They're superheroes. Mm -hmm. I mean, you gave that to them in advance. We know it was a superhero movie, so it makes sense. You're giving that information to their players to enact upon. Right. All right, so let's piggyback on that since we kind of mentioned railroading a bit there. And UL Flato Ratto asked the question. good name. Hey, is this normal? And I'm going to kind of paraphrase. It's a bit of a, bit of a explanation before he gets to the question. Uh, so Flato Ratto is new to D&D and playing with some new people, and they're rotating being DMs, and they noticed a difference in DMing styles, and they're trying to figure out what's good DM style, what's not, trying to do what we do and learn from other DMs. Um, and uh, El Flatorado talks about one DM is very straightforward, like, this is happening, what do you do? Uh, and the other says what the PC, the other DM says what the PC is, PC is thinking and most of the time, even if it wasn't what you were thinking. Mm. Yeah, give him the example. So he is a good example. He goes, like, one time, an NPC was rude to my character. He was way more powerful than me, so I decided to let it go because my character wasn't a hothead, and fighting with him would kill me. By the way, very smart player for not, <laughs> for not being, for being new to the game. But every time I encounter that NPC now, the DM says, you still remember. He said to you what he said to you. And that makes your insides boil with anger. Roll a wisdom check to keep yourself from not attacking him. Or much along those kind of lines. And basically, uh, Flato Rado was asking, is this normal? And the answer to that is, no, that is not normal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely not. Kind of reminds me of the Telltale games where it's like, Bob and the Goblin will remember this. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, right. very, like, when we were talking about this question earlier between me and Mike, it was... Uh, it, it, this guy wants to write a story. Like he wants to tell an entire story and the people around the table aren't actually characters. They're just people for, to crunch numbers and roll dice for him. He's right. really he, like, if any DM is there's, there's times where he can tell you, you do feel, you know, this watching this happen does bring a tear to your eye. Like that there's times for that, but on the daily encounter of, or the daily, the going about daily of your character it is not the DM's job to tell you how you're feeling or what you're doing. Yeah, if you want to tell a story, go write a story. You know, this is this. It, you want to tell just your own story? Go do that. This does fall into the railroading category. It's a, a different kind of railroading. It's a very extreme example, and where you're literally taking away the player's free agency, and that player made the right decision. Especially for a newbie, like a lot of noobs will be like, "Oh no, I can take on anything. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go attack this creature. Oh, he, oh, this guy's being mean to me. Well, screw him. I draw my short sword, and then they get their butts kicked, right? So that player made a great decision. El Flato Rado, you did the right thing. So, uh, yeah, no, that is not normal. And I, my suggestion, let if anyone's at a table with a DM that's like this, that's gonna constantly be telling you what your character thinks and what your character's motivations are walk away and find a better DM. Yeah, you're wasting your time. You know, it's funny. Um, I imagine that, like, that DM in the most extreme version of it, he's literally just sitting at the table by himself. <laughs> and he's just, like, talking to the players, but he's just talking to himself. And he's like, and you feel this, and you do this. And then the guy says this. And 
He's like, I don't need friends. <laughs> Shut up, um, Gary. You don't decide what your character does. <laughs> I do. I'm the DM. Oh, man. And then he tells the player what his character says. Yeah. So, so by the way, the funny thing about that is that, that we are all really guilty of uh, having multiple NPCs oh, yeah. talking to each other oh, yeah. at We've the same time. Oh, oh, yeah. Which is fun. That, that's different. But it's almost the same wait, thing, wait. except we're just, the players are watching us as our two NPCs are having conversations. <laughs> but you know what's funny? When that happens, in my mind, I do see the two characters going back and forth. I don't see the one, the one DM being right. both, right? Yeah. Um, I am glad you, Keenan. I am glad you said that. Um, like a little bit's okay because for a split second there, I was about to say I disagree because I do see that little caveat where, like you said, um, you know, that does bring a tear to your eye or it fills you with a little pang of of sadness or whatever. Where I really take exception with what that example was was the wisdom save, and yeah. then if you fell it, you're going to do the thing, and it's like, okay, well, that's that's what magic is for. You shouldn't just be making me do that just because you want me to do it. Like, right. My big issue is the taking away a player agency. Amen. I I think there's a time and place for taking away someone's agency. You know, if uh, Dave picked up the glowing green skull and he was gonna, you were probably gonna have him like attack the party members after. Oh yeah, absolutely. After that skull kind of took over his body, and fortunately the barbarian Chud chopped off that <laughs> arm before it could do that. But I think even in that situation, there would be trust with the player that they would hold true to the motivations of their curse. And Dave could just attack the party members by himself right. instead of you taking over his character for him. And generally speaking, in the times when people have been possessed or, or have, you know, charmed or whatever in some way that they might uh, attack the party, I usually give them the choice. Like, Happens do you, a lot do you in Mike's do, campaigns. You know, like, do, yeah. you, do you want to and do yours. this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yours too, buddy. So, do you want to do this or do you want me to do it? And that way I give them the choice because there are some players that just can't do it. Like Charlie can't do it, right? And he's he'd been in that place and he's like, I just can't do this. Like he's just because he's too attached to your characters. Oh, like he he can't bring himself to actually attack. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I love you Charlie. want to do it right because like depending on like what's under your effect is like you need to go all out. Like right. if it's a fight to the death and you get charmed and it's like or not charmed but somehow a, possessed. Yeah, basically. it's like you're gonna fight to the death, so you need to be doing your abilities to kill your own teammates. And someone who can't do that, perfect option to say, hey, I'll run your character if you don't feel comfortable going all out because you you would go all out. Well, you know, I fully embrace those moments oh so oh, do yeah. i <laughs> they're wild they're wild hey this does bring a question up though connected to this so would you ever tell a player your character would not do that i have in the past when yeah. they when it's been so extreme where they played their character a certain way for so long and they've talked about and they've got a really intricate backstory and they do something well, well maybe not, not maybe i'd never said you will not do that I've never done it that way, not directly. Like, no, you just wouldn't do that. I, I, but I would, you might, I've said, you might want to consider, is that something your character would really do? Right, kind of put it on them as a question. Yeah, as a question. I've never told them this flat out. No, you can't do that. Yeah, I've said before, um, okay, before I say before I say that that goes down, that's super outside of what I think your character would do based on how you've yeah. played them this whole time. So can you walk me through why you're suddenly changing gears. Like you're, you've been lawful good this entire campaign. Why are you suddenly attacking children? Like, right. you know, what, yeah. well, they annoy me. Well, well, no, that's not a good enough reason. Like yeah. you, you wouldn't do that. It's not who your character is. Sorry. You know, and, and is that a DM being a, a jerk? I, I don't I necessarily think so. Think you're think keeping so. Congruity, yeah. con, con, congruency, congruency. Thank you. In the narrative, like you're making it all make fix. It's just one day he's having a bad day and he wants to slay children. It's like, that's not really, <laughs> doesn't all mesh well. What I do like about that, John and Mike, is that it gives the player a moment to have kind of like an internal cinematic moment dialogue. 
and they're talking they're talking to the dm but their character is kind of talking to themselves and they're having this internal monologue of why am i breaking my oath or why am i going against what my my history has been to go out and do this thing that is completely opposite my personality and on the flip side of that too like if you know i put that to the player are you sure that's what your character would do and they give me a very believable, reasonable explanation, then I'm like, yeah, go for it. Which, by the way, Matt has done yeah. uh, with, with Reginald, um, oh, you know, yeah. when he first started acting up, you know? Remember I pulled you aside and I was like, hey, he's really acting different. And then you said he's seen what the dark powers did to Strahd. He's thinking the only way to go toe-to-toe with Strahd is embrace right. the dark powers. And he's willing to make any sacrifice, even giving his own soul over to evil, in order to stop the evil. And I went, God damn it, you just sold me, bud. Let's get back <laughs> yeah. in there. That's what happens. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I go back to, to Strahd and when, when Chauvin sliced the, the, the neck of that child mur- or the throat of that child murderer. Yeah. Everybody, everybody was like, whoa, what the, what, what, what? I think that was your, your major downturn. Shift, shift, yeah, well, shift in personality. Shift in personality big time, yeah. yeah. Everything before that moment was like, oh, we're going on an adventure or in a horror <laughs> campaign. And, cool. it was, and it, by the way, it was based on your backstory. It was based all based on my backstory. Yeah, so yeah. it made a lot yeah. of sense. I also think that the uh, would you, you wouldn't do that or or would you do that question? I think that that's also really helpful in uh, new settings and beginning campaigns where someone hasn't quite figured it out all the way, or if they're not sure of the world. If you're in a setting that if we're all playing fantasy and we play sci-fi, like in Singular, there's times where I'm like you wouldn't do that right. because like you would know that that just wouldn't work, or like there's certain things that. The players might not be privy to because it came up, and that's a good way to be like, well, you wouldn't go asking this guy that or the shop that because that's actually, you know that this kind of place does that. Like, there's information you can impart, and it's not because you're uh, copying their... Oops, sorry, go ahead. Well, you literally just made me think of uh, my first character in D&D ever. (laughs) I've mentioned him last last, uh, episode, but he was a wizard in second edition, so he had, like, two hit points. (laughs) And we're... uh, I forgot the name of the the inn in Dragonlance. Um... Anyway, I can't remember, but I remember it was uh, it was uh, Karaman Majir and Raslin Majir, and they walked into this tavern, and this is after the the, the novel series, so like they're famous at this point. And uh, Karaman said something kind of rude to me, and being my very first session in D anD D, I'm twelve years old. I I'm a wizard, you know. I cast magic missile at Karaman, and <laughs> it shoots right into his chest, does like two points of damage, and then he punches me and kills me, like. And, and I remember later on after I read the novels and everything and I was more now more privy to the lore, like that DM really should have said to me, hey, man, actually, exactly what you're saying, Keenan, like you would know that this is like one of the greatest heroes of the land. You absolutely would never cast magic missile at him like ever. Yeah, <laughs> and if you were like, no, fuck it, I do it. Well, then it's on you from yeah, there, right? From yeah, there, I'd yeah. be like, okay, well, you die. Like that's. I gave you for a warning, but it's a new setting and you were new to the game. Well, well, so you gave him, he should have given you that like, Hey man, actually maybe not. And I think that, I think that's good. I think there's caveats for all these things we're talking about for sure. And especially when you're talking about new players where who maybe you're an experienced DM with new players. And sometimes you do, you will have to take those moments above table to, to just kind of explain those kind of things. I'm sorry, Matt. I thought you had a question. Oh, I was just going to say pretty much the same thing. Just let, oh, yeah. if the players want to do what they want to do, let them do it, but there's going to be consequences. <laughs> for sure. Oh, for sure. Geez. We uh, doing the next question, Cody? Me yeah. or you? You want to Rochambeau for it? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Hey, okay. we're, we're not LARPing here. 
<laughs> fireball. I mean, fireball, fireball. I guess kind of live spell. action role playing right now. This is a real lives. We're all wearing robes, and these aren't our real names. My wizard hat. I'm not wearing anything under my robes. You know, if you if you remove the dice rolls from D and D, you're basically just larping. <laughs> this is verbal, verbal, true. verbal larping, yeah, or yeah. like thespianism almost. Yeah. But it's live action role play, so the only thing that changes D and D from larping is dice rolls. I mean, honestly, and, and foam swords and miniatures. Who? I mean, who around the table doesn't want then, to like, LARP though? I mean, like, get your foam swords, get your shields. Let's no, go. I want to. Let's do go it fight in some people. Full plate mail with blunt edged <laughs> weapons. That's sure. the only way I'm doing it. If, if you do that, I recommend you take Bill with you. Oh yeah, Bill's the Bill's our resident. Bill uh, will be our trainer he's expert. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's our he's our uh, our weapons master, our uh, uh, <laughs> combat instructor. Uh, Hema. Hema. Yeah, he's our Hema European expert. Martial yeah. arts. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is it will will Bill actually like teach you, or will Bill oh, yeah. just like teach you by beating? Well, Probably that's how you learn. That. That's <laughs> how you learn. That's how you learn any martial art, man. I think the knights yeah. used to learn. I could imagine day. Bill in a LARP in a in a park, like just beating the crap out of people. Like, <laughs> I, I, I kind of also see that Bill would be kind of a little bit uh, uh, like Johnny on on uh, Cobra Kai. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So my question um, by Burbank Elephants: uh, Is there a generally accepted way of saying you can't do that? Without taking away from the fun, and without being too mechanical. Well, so yeah, right, we're right in line. The dovetails, yeah. man. Completely so, dovetails. Um, so their example here is that they were the players are fighting a monster, and one of the players wanted to run up and grapple that monster. Mm-hmm. And on the monster's stat block, it says it, it's immune to being grappled. But he let the player roll for it anyway. Mm-hmm. Said like probably the Matt Mercer thing. You can you can certainly try. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, the guy rolled a twenty. And you know, I, I rule that it's an athletics check. You don't roll like auto successes on athlete on, on skill checks, but it's also a combat move. I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a combat move. So you could, you know, you can crit on, on a nat 20 for a combat attack and, mm-hmm. and auto success for that. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so the guy rolls a 20, the DM says it doesn't happen. He gave some kind of thematic thing for it. Well, he, give me a second. I, okay. Uh, he gave a thematic reason of why it can't, it was it's not grappled, and then he felt kind of bad about it, and he gave the guy an inspiration point for this kind of like this uh, like revenge, Trying you know, or... this uh, yeah, this kind of like you feels like so infuriated or you know a, a thematic story, and he got the inspiration point for sure. Did the character or did the character know though? Did the DM tell him you can't do this like because it's immune, or is this the character figuring out that he is immune at that point? The DM didn't say it was immune to being grappled until after the grapple failed. I mean that's fair because the the player tip unless or the character wouldn't have the knowledge, but I will say he kind of made his own poison by letting him roll for it. See, I think the DM did a perfect job with the whole thing. I I kind of butchered the story a little bit because uh, he gave narrative storytelling after after it failed and then after the inspiration point, but like I mean a, a wizard is not going to pick up a two thousand pound boulder, just like a anyone is not going to just run up to a a, a cyclops and grapple a cyclops to the ground. Absolutely, but I mean, on that nat twenty roll, it doesn't mean that it's a success in the fact that it happens. It's, it's something positive does happen. So, like, I think John gave this example a couple of episodes ago, where like, yeah, the wizard can't pick up the boulder. I think it was a halfling in the example, but what happens is that on that nat twenty or of a fifteen or an eighteen, you don't throw your back out. 
<laughs> yeah. Right. Like you're an 80 year old Merlin style wizard. Like you can try to lift the mountain. Yeah. You just, you just don't break a hip. Like that's your success for it. So something should have happened even if, you know, it did well, just saying no right? after letting him do it. Like it, it goes to back. Like if there, if it looked like it was a spot, like a spiky creature and grappling, it wasn't capable. Like the character could have known that, but him allowing it, he kind of made his own poison for that at 20. And then he, the reason he fell back is he knew he shouldn't have done it. And so he kind of, self-realized that he shouldn't have done that, in my I, opinion. I, I, I actually don't think so. I think he did all right. And I think even if they rolled down at 20, then look, there, there's that discovery of what your opponent yeah. can or cannot do. Uh, we just did this when in the Dark Kingdom when you guys were fighting Talos, right? I kept letting you, you're like using spells that he's immune to, but I don't say, I don't immediately tell you, oh, you can see, you see it's doing no damage. I'd like to have you make a perception roll to see if you notice it's doing no damage. So I think he kind of did the same thing, is that 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 was a discovery point for the character. I, I like it. I mean, yeah. I, I do. And I and by the way, I think you can get creative with success too, um, and be like, okay, so you grapple this ungrappable <laughs> <laughs> opponent, and uh, I'm from Arkansas. Leave me alone. And uh, and so you grapple him. But all that means is you got hold of his neck and he's just walking around with you. And if you let go, you're going to fall oh, and take yeah. fall damage. And like, so you succeed, but you failed in your success, basically. Right. It's like the, it's like the image of the toddler with like around your leg. And yeah, exactly. Like walking just still. Walking still. The toddler's like, <laughs> on. yeah. I mean, uh, I see that. I just don't think that it's it's fun for the player. Like, as you're speaking of the DM, like, oh, as a DM, I like that for sure. But as the player, I wasted my turn. Like, there's probably more information he could have given or something that would have allowed him to make a better decision than waste his action. Because on I, our games, that's like 15 minutes around a table, and yeah. I really don't enjoy waiting 30 minutes I, to make I, one action. And I get that. I see what you're saying. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but I'm also thinking from a player's perspective. Look, I've got... I. Tr- I got a lot of knowledge in my head about D&D and about creatures and about things and about the bad guys. And I don't, I try not to let that come out in the game. So I like that discoverable moment. And to me, I like that discoverable. but I understand where you're coming from, from that perspective, especially when we are playing, like say with six or seven people and it takes a while to get around the corner. But one thing I would like to see is uh, Alphineas. <laughs> what about him? I would like you to hand me that anvil over there, please. Anvil. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, he would just, just, an just animate it. Yeah, no, no. He turned to Swolfinius and he'd do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I like it. And I think about, like, if you ran into uh, a boss and, you know, the DM doesn't tell you they have legendary resistance and mm-hmm. you maybe think it's just a really big orc and then suddenly it, it, it fails a save, but then suddenly just passes the save and you don't even have to say anything as the DM about legend. I usually do just because legendary resistance is so strong. I like to let you guys know when you're dealing with it, but I could see, uh, I could see it also being fun and interesting. Let to Mike's point, discovering those things through failure. Yeah. And I think you use uh, legendary resistance way too much. I think you kind of abuse that power and um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not comfortable with it. Uh, as a as a gunslinger, the most important thing is that I'm having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> we know, John. <laughs> All right, uh, did, we, did we have another question? I can't even remember. I think we got one more. We got one yeah, more. We had mine. Cannons. Mine does not dovetail in as nicely as everything else has been. That's okay. Let's change it up. So mine, mine was something I picked because it's something that I had done. So I figured that I could talk about the question a little better. It is from Ozny One Ozni Ozni. 
Uh, it is, how can I write about war? And he goes on to say, I was thinking about having a war going on in parallel to the party's adventure. For the first level, it's all just the signs that something's happening. Later, it breaks out. It starts affecting places, NPCs. Maybe it links the war to the major villain they're having to deal with. And he, he wants to know how to do that. And that's something that I had actually done in, I think that was the first thing I'd ever DM'd. It was a, a homebrew called Mangetsu using the 5e system. Uh, it was about a feudalist Japan-like uh, country uh, full of magic being invaded by a country based entirely off of technology. They were actually had slayed their god and took his bones to make weapons, basically. And the players were part of the war, but it was also happening around them. And they, they came in later. They didn't get to see the boiling point, but they got to watch as territory was lost or gained. And they got to see caravans of people, you know, leaving the war zone, you know, body parts, uh, refugees fleeing, all sorts of different things that really kind of brought to them. What I was trying to convey was the emotions of war and that everyone is affected in this. It's not just some tabletop grand strategy of nothing happens as you're, you're watching people die and be dismembered and, and, you, there was a whole bit about a doctor who actually made um, prosthetics for the uh, soldiers of both sides when they, they had fled the war and from the terrible fighting, and there was a bunch of children who were actually the guards of the camp because they're the only able-bodied people around. So when you write about war, you really want to, I mean, when it comes to your characters, I think that everything that he wrote down was perfect. Like, you want to give the sign something's happening. You have whispers and stuff in the bar, right? And then... Maybe you hear about a battle that broke out on the border or whatever happened. And then that's, you know, four or five levels down. And then they can walk upon it or maybe something that they have to do is in the war zone or that to cross a war zone for it. And that's a way to actually introduce your players in it but not have them directly involved. What do you guys think? Well, just as as somebody who played that campaign with you, um, that was amazing how you did it. It was was very well done. Um, before we ever saw a big Titanic battle, we had seen a dozen of those little scenes you just described of war refugees. And, uh, we were with a diplomat who got assassinated by the, by the enemies with machine guns, <laughs> you know, my paladin in the first combat encounter we had, um, threw his shield up, um, cause he had never seen a gun before. <laughs> and all of a sudden my shield gets dented up with all these machine gun bullets. It was absolutely bonkers, but by the time, because we were there kind of diplomatically to help, we, we had come to try to help broker peace, right? And and it very quickly became apparent that, that there was not going to be a peace. Like, this was going to be a very, very bloody war. Um, and, and you just kept raising the stakes every session. Like, every session it got more insane. And, and so, yeah, I, that's awesome advice, man. That's exactly how you do it. Yeah, and I think that's really the, the, the Reddit uh, user who actually kind of already sound like they got a good handle on that just by what they were describing because when i read it it also reminded me kind of what i've been doing in the dark kingdom like you guys aren't except for avalonia when you were kind of involved in the civil war there you weren't really too involved directly in the on all the conflict going on around you as the kingdom is just turning to, to absolute chaotic mess you know you know the liberators over here and they're fighting this and you know that now there's been this invasion so you're always getting like updates about what's going on even though you're not directly involved in the war because you've now figured out that the bigger bad guy is and you're going after them, but you could have easily been just as much embroiled in the actual conflict itself, itself too. And, uh, and, and like you said, Keenan did a really good job. And I would have had been, I was thinking about that actually, like what happens if you guys meet the liberators and now you are actually involved in what is basically a, a revolution. 
and how how I was going to play that out. And a lot of it, I was thinking about how he had done it too. So, my favorite part of what you were saying was the bar scene, and you said uh, maybe you're in a bar and you hear something about a battle that happened a day or two ago. And what I like about that a lot is that it just creates world setting. Mm-hmm. World and building. the DM, all the DM really has to do is write three, four, five lines of dialogue about you going to the bar. And then over here in the corner, you can see these two guys talking. And then you read what they say mm-hmm. about something that happened. It doesn't have to be a battle. It can just be something else. Assassination. Uh, the, the battle, maybe um, maybe like a, one of the statues of one of the big cities it came crumbling down because a bunch of protesters pulled it out or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it just creates world setting. And there's so much potential for that four or five lines of dialogue. Maybe that inspires the players to go somewhere or do something. You know, we always play very uh, major plot focused games. A little more linear. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of games out there where they are kind of like that Skyrim where there is the grand story there's all these side stories everywhere. Mm-hmm. So maybe that really inspires the players. I want to go to that city or I want to go to this battlefield. Maybe there's loot or something over there. I think there's a lot of potential with just that four or five lines of dialogue instead of a bar scene. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Uh, so we're, we're, we're getting kind of close to the, the end point and wrapping up here, but I want to just throw one last question in here. Cause it's one that can be answered very, very a quick. Bonus question. Bonus question. <laughs> now it's time for the bonus round. Uh, so this comes from Anon Trader. A N O N T R A. Oh, sorry, T R eight R. So I'm, I'm reading this as a non trader. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Any recommendations for a one shop with a noob group? I have plenty of experience DMing, so it doesn't have to be simple from my standpoint, but rather a light-hearted entry into D and D for people that aren't very familiar with fantasy. And. Uh, Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shameless plug. <laughs> yes, a non-trader. We have the perfect one-shot adventure for you. It is called the Quest for Boost, and you can find it on our website snwproductions.com, or if you subscribe, or if you become a Patreon subscriber, you can also get it as well. Uh, and the reason why I'm actually look, it is a shameless plug, but there's also the reason why I'm suggesting this because this is how we got into Five E. I created this funny, fun one-shot adventure for us to learn about 5e and it ended up turning into a two-year campaign now the caveat with that it it is for adult adults as you'll see <laughs> when you read the description but but uh i just want to put that out there but hey I if agree. you like toads or you like uh mushrooms or you like heists well, there's also stuff there for you as well there's true this is true there, there there's a plenty of plenty of uh, good material on snwproductions.com that's well, what we do we make we make dnd supplements and podcast guys so check us out <laughs> and we make we make them with easy accessibility in mind too mm-hmm. with yep. a lot of explanation and uh yeah I, I highly recommend you guys check it out we have a couple free ones we have some you can buy from the website, or if you become a patron, you get kind of the, the sweet deal of being able to download multiples. Yeah, and there's this one guy who made some maps, too. Match <laughs> <laughs> this map creation One of our, pa- one of our uh, Patreons, uh, Patreon, Patreons, patrons patrons. on Patreon, uh, <laughs> F. Sutton, which thank you, F. Sutton. Um, but he he said that to me. That he's like, hey, man, when's, when's some more maps coming out, man? I like these maps. And I, <laughs> I texted Matt. I'm like... Get back to your map cave, Matt. We need more maps. <laughs> oh, no. Not the map cave. We let them out every Monday to record. <laughs> <laughs> 
just keep the cigars and whiskey coming. I'm it, good. It's like the key master in the matrix, right? Oh, like, yeah. But it's the map maker. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, hey, if you liked what you heard here, hanging with us today on Legend Lore, uh, be sure to subscribe. And uh, please, please do, like I said, come by and check out the website. We've got some good stuff for you there. Any other closing shot thoughts there, guys? Uh, I really like this format. Uh, I think yeah. we covered a lot of material. It was a lot of fun, and I think we'll probably do something like this again. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Future, yeah. yeah, this is perfect. So. Stay gold, pony boy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>